Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 22 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. Rules for Meditation. Number two, God's holy nature, attributes, word, works. Also, what is duty and what is sin? What you should be and do, what you are and what you have done. What are the miseries of the wicked? And what are the happiness and privileges of the righteous? Are fit subjects of meditation. Number three, that which must settle your judgment and be the rule to direct you what to hold for true and good must be the canon of God's word, rightly understood. Second Peter one nineteen, And not your own reason or opinion, nor yet the opinions or conceits of men, for these are false and crooked rules, Cautions about the matter of meditation. Number four, in seeking to know the secrets and mysteries of God and godliness, you must not pry into them further than God hath revealed. For if you wade therein further than you have sure footing in his holy word, you will presently lose yourself and be swallowed up in a maze and whirlpool of errors and heresies. These deep things of God must be understood with sobriety. Psalm 81.1 Romans 7.3 According to that clear light which God has given you by his word. 5. When sin happens to be the matter of your meditation, take heed lest while your thoughts dwell upon it, though your intention be to bring yourself out of love with it, it steal into your affections and work in you some secret liking to it, and so circumvent you. For the cunning devices of sin are undiscoverable. Ecclesiastes 7, 24, 26, 28. And you know that your heart is deceitful above all things. Jeremiah seventeen nine. Wherefore, to prevent this mischief, number one, as sin is not to be named, Ephesians 5, 3, but when there is just cause, so it is not to be thought upon, but upon a special cause, namely, when it shows itself in its motions and evil effects, and when it concerns you to try and find out the wickedness of your heart and life. Number two, when there is cause to think of sin, represent it to your mind as an evil, the greatest evil, Genesis 39, 9. Most loathsome and abominable to God and most hateful, and hurtful to yourself, whereupon you must raise your heart to a holy detestation of it and resolution against it. Number three, 
never stand reasoning or disputing with it, as Eve did with Satan, Genesis 3, 2 and 3, but without any indulgence of it. You must do present execution upon it by sheathing the word of God, Matthew 4, 4, 7, 10, the sword of the spirit into the heart of it and by mortifying of it through the help of his spirit, Romans 8, 13. And if you would dwell long in meditating upon any subject, make choice of matter more pleasant and less infectious. Number six, it is necessary that you be skillful in this first part of meditation, for hereby you find out who is to be adored and who not. What is to be done? What not? What you should be? What not? But the life of meditation lies in the reflex acts of the soul, whereby that knowledge which was gotten by the former act of meditation doth reflect and return upon the heart. Second Chronicles 6.37 Causing you to apply to yourself what was proposed. Whence also you are induced to endeavor to form your heart and life according to that which you have learned it ought to be. This, though it be most profitable, yet because it is tedious to the flesh, is most neglected. Wherefore, it concerns you who are instructed in the points of faith and holiness to be most conversant in this when you are alone, whether it be when you are engaged in the common business of life or retirement for solemn worship. Number seven, you should therefore be well read in the book of your conscience as well as in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 11, 28 and 31. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. Commune often with it, and it will fully acquaint you with yourself and with your estate. Through the light of God's Holy Spirit, it will tell you what you were and what you now are, what you most delighted in in former times, and what now. It will tell you what straits and fears you have been in and how graciously God delivered you. What temptations you have had and how it came to pass that sometimes you were overcome by them and how and by what means you overcame them. It will show what conflicts you have had between flesh and spirit and what was the issue thereof, Psalm Mm, 77, 1 through 13. Whether you were grieved and humbled when sin got the better, and whether you rejoiced and were thankful when God's grace restrained you or gave you the victory. Your conscience, being set on work, will call to remembrance your oversights, and the advantages which you gave to Satan and to the lusts of your flesh, that you may not do the like again. It will remember you by what helps and means, through God's grace, you prevailed, 
and got a conquest over some sin that you may use the same another time. If you thus diligently observe the passages and conflicts of your Christian race and warfare, your knowledge will be an experimental knowledge, which, because it is a knowledge arising from the frequent proof of that whereof you were taught in the word, it becomes a more fixed, perfect, and fruitful knowledge than that of mere contemplation. It is only this experimental knowledge that will make you skillful in the duties and trials of the Christian life. Take a man that hath only read much of husbandry, physic, merchandise, policy, etc., who hath gotten into his head the notions of all these, and makes himself believe that he hath great skill in them, yet one that hath not read half so much, but hath been of long practice, and of great experience in these, as far excels him in husbandry, physic, trading, etc., as he excels one that is a mere novice in them. Such difference there is between one that hath only a superficial knowledge of Christianity without experimental observation, and him that is often looking into the records of his own conscience, carefully observing the workings of his own heart and God's dispensations towards him. The experience which by this means you will obtain of God's love, truth, and power, of your enemy's falsehood, wiles, and methods, of your own weakness without God, and of your strength by God to withstand the greatest lusts and strongest temptations, yea, of an ability to do all things through Christ that strengthens you will beget in you faith and confidence in God and love to him. Watchfulness and circumspection, lest you be overtaken with sin. With such degrees of humility, wisdom, and Christian courage, that no opposition shall daunt you, nor shake your confidence in Christ Jesus. Where do you read? of two such champions as David and Paul. 1 Samuel 17.36, 2 Timothy 1.12, 4, 7, 17, 18. And where do you find two that recorded and made use of their experiences of God's truth and goodness like these? Wherefore, next to God's book, which gives light and rule to your conscience, read often the book of your conscience. See what is there written for or against you. When you find that your heart and life are according to the rule of God's word, hold that fast to your comfort. But wherein you find yourself not to be according to this rule, give yourself no rest until in some good measure, at least in endeavor, you do live according to it. I have insisted the more largely on this point of meditation because of the great necessity and profitableness of it. 
many of God's people omit it because they know not how to do it and because they know not their need nor yet the benefit which they may receive from it. Motives to meditation nine, the necessity and use of meditation will appear if you consider one, that reading, hearing, and transient thoughts of the best things leave not half that impression of goodness upon the soul which they would do if they might be recalled and fixed there by serious thought. Without this meditation, the good food of the soul passes through the understanding and either is quite lost or is like raw and undigested food, which doth not nourish those creatures that chew the cud till they have fetched it back and chewed it better. Meditation is instead of chewing the cud. All the outward means of salvation do little good in comparison except by meditation they are thoroughly considered and laid up in the heart. Number two, the great usefulness of meditation appears in that one, it does digest, ingraft, and turn the spiritual knowledge gained in God's word and ordinances into the very life and substance of the soul, changing and fashioning you according to it so that God's will in his word and your will become one, choosing and delighting in the same things. Number two, meditation fitteth for prayer, nothing more. Number three, meditation also promotes the practices of godliness, nothing more. Number four, nothing does perfect and make a man an understanding Christian more than this. Number five, nothing does make a man more know and enjoy himself with inward comfort, nor is a clearer evidence that he is in a state of happiness than this. For in the multitude of my thoughts within me, saith David to God, thy comforts delight my soul. Psalm. 44, 19. Nope, that is Psalm 94, 19. And he does, by the Spirit of God, pronounce every man blessed that does thus meditate in God's law day and night. Psalm 1, 2. This concludes episode 22 of Henry Scudder's The Christian Daily Walk.